Welcome to Next Steps, the midweek podcast from Blackhawk Church. Over the course of the 10 weeks that we're in our Rooted series, we're going to be responding to your questions about the message from Sunday or other questions related to the topic that was covered. If you didn't get a chance to check out this past weekend's message from Matt on Jesus, you can find that on this same podcast channel or watch online at blockhawkchurch.org. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And with me today uh, are pastors Michael Napstad and Dave Gagno. How are you guys doing this morning? Pretty good. Doing good. Awesome. It's a hot uh, week out there, but right now it is looking like it's going to storm or rain. So if you hear a little thunder in the background... Uh, that's what's going on. Um, but hey, we're going to jump right in with your questions. As always, thanks so much for uh, all the questions, all the people that submitted questions this week. We got a lot of good ones. So we're just going to go for it. You guys ready? I think so. All right. Let's do it. Uh, well, we're going we're gonna to jump into the deep end with this first one. Uh, big question, really good question. This one comes from, from Rachel. She says, what should we do as Christians about societal or communal systemic sin? Um, how do we allow Jesus to be Lord of our lives when we are involved in human, broken, and sinful systems? Uh, and she references things like modern-day slavery and unjust labor practices, pollution, systemic racism, all that kind of stuff. So basically, if we're to surrender our lives to Jesus and, and, and live for his kingdom and in as holy a way as possible, how do we do that when we're living in a society and in a culture um, that's broken and, and is full of sin? So how do, how do we follow him without participating in all of those things? <laughs> all right, you guys, who wants to take a stab at that one? I, I just really love being invited to be on this podcast, Chris, and we can just start really easy. It's just really nice. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a simple question, <laughs> but it's a really good, it's a really, it really good question. Um, I think that, it, that the question is something that every person who has decided to follow Jesus wrestles with on some level. We have experienced restoration and redemption in our own lives, and um, and every day it, I feel like we're invited deeper into who Jesus is. But on the other hand, we see kind of the decay in uh, different systems, people, uh, and the world around us. So, what does it look like to bring that restoration that we've experienced and we know is available to humanity and and through humanity to the world? What do we do with that? It's a really, really great question, Rachel. I'm so glad that you asked it. And to answer it, Dave, why don't no. <laughs> no, just I have some things to say, but Dave, you're you're looking at me with with that look in your eyes, so you might want to talk. Well, I want to thank you, Rachel. That um, that is an excellent question. I can tell that you have a great big heart. You want to follow Jesus. And that is the biggest part of this. We're part of a, a world community. And um, uh, Chris is the one who mentioned this uh, before we, uh, we uh, started, that even Jesus uh, was part of a system that was awful. The Roman, the Roman uh, system was horrible. Uh, the way they penalized people, the, the slavery trade. Uh, and yet Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar. Pay your taxes in Matthew 22, 21. And uh, so we have to figure out amongst ourselves what we must not participate in. And, and some things are very clear. And other things are uh, 
gray and difficult, but it's a great question. I can tell that you are very serious about trying to follow Jesus. Rachel, thank you. Yeah, um, man, just to kind of take a stab practically at at um, just the heart of this question, I think of I think of the prayer that that Jesus invites us to pray, um, and in that, it's Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, what does it look like for us to be um, bearers of God's kingdom here? Um, the New Testament invites us to realize that that when we have decided to follow Jesus, He is on the inside of us. We are the new temple. The presence of God is in us. The kingdom is in us, and the prayer. Um, the action that we're invited to to take is to let that kingdom be realized. And that kingdom is one. And Jesus was the example of uh, being a bearer to that kingdom because it's his kingdom. He would go to someone who was sick and he would make them well. He would heal diseases. He was a restoration bringer. So what does it look like? Not just in relationships, but, but really systemically and globally um, to bring about restoration and redemption. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we we could um, focus on uh, on doing that. I mean, Rachel, you <laughs> wrote a lot of examples: pollution, global poverty, economic disparities, systemic racism, and I would say that you know. Um, being bearers of God's kingdom means that we need to care about all of these, but it's impossible for one person to do all of these. I mean, it's over, I, I'm overwhelmed just at the thought of it. So I think that the quick answer would be, man, what, what is in your life right now that you can move towards to bring God's kingdom here? Are you experiencing some kind of systemic racism um, in just the circles that you were in? And what does it look like to to move towards bringing God's kingdom and, and justice into that, to bring um, equity Um what and you know pollution pollution is a big thing i mean we are seeing just the effects of pollution um negatively towards our climate towards everything so what does it look like for us in the things that we can manage to help bring pollution down so there's an invitation for us to act like kingdom bearers in the things that that we tangibly can but also the reality that we are not the person that's going to save the world like we can we can help but um, there are, uh, there's an invitation for all of God's followers in what they can do to bring about the kingdom. So what does it look like for us to lean on each other and to try to, as followers, create systemic change? So um, yeah. there's a stab at that answer. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, I mean, just in, in listening to you guys talk, there's language all throughout the New Testament of uh, being people who bring God's kingdom, uh, who are Christ's ambassadors. Um, and as you guys were talking, I, just, I mean, the thought occurred to me that we can't be part of advancing God's kingdom or be Christ's ambassadors uh, to help heal a broken world if we're not involved in that broken world. Like mm. even Jesus, he didn't go and start a monastic community in the desert and just completely remove himself from from Roman society. He needed to be 
involved and um, and certainly there are things that he would resist and that other um, uh, disciples and people in, in the early church would resist that the government participated in. Um, but they also, there's a certain grace and there's a certain mercy because in order to be Christ's ambassadors and part of that healing process, we got to get our hands dirty and also be in the midst of a world that um, that is broken. So certainly we try to do what we can to um, to not participate in things that are knowingly um, unjust and, and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, there's also grace and, and mercy. We can't do that perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, you guys. Uh, here's the next question, that, uh, another one that came in uh, that says, when I stop and think about all the areas of my life that God is not 100% Lord of, I sometimes feel overwhelmed by all the things that I can think of. Uh, me too, I feel that way. Uh, change is hard and I do not feel like I can change everything at the same time. So how do I discern what to prioritize? Um, how can I determine the doable, actionable steps that I can take right now and not just give in to the temptation to give up and just keep living the way that I am because change just feels too overwhelming. Um, so there's a lot there, you guys, but uh, any any thoughts or answers to that question? Definitely. I think uh, the person asking this question, I just want to give a lot of uh, credit to. What a great question. I can tell you care deeply about the things God cares about. And part of the thing, and I I just loved uh, Matt's challenge to us. He was brave, courageous, honest, um, relational, uh, just powerful. And And the thing about Jesus as Lord of our life is, that means he's Lord over all. Uh, he, he can make something good out of the messes out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to fix everything, but you can submit to him and say, I, I'm aware of this, Jesus. I don't like it. Uh, show me what I should do about it. You know, one thing at a time. Uh, he is Lord, and He can arrange the disorder and the chaos, even in your own life, and show the way. So you don't have to be so anxious about that, because you are self-aware of your own falling, fail, failures and shortcomings. That's what sin is, missing God's mark. But talk to Him about it. He's Lord of that, too. Mm. So good for you. Keep asking that kind of question, and keep talking to Jesus about it. Uh, he will show you the way. Um, you, you, you're not the Savior. There is one Savior of the world. There is one God, and it's not us. And there's something relieving about that. Uh, so good question. That's a great question. And Dave, might I say, you have a great voice for podcasting. It's just <laughs> right? so soothing. I'm like, just found myself. <laughs> I had a, the I had a seven, not so much. I had a seminary professor, and, uh, uh, Warren Wiersbe, some of you remember him, and he was my pastor. He said, I have a face for radio. You do. About himself. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Is that a compliment? I don't know. Yeah, um, it was. <laughs> anyway, now that I've really derailed this train, let's go back to Jesus as Lord. Um, okay, so when I, okay, this is really random, but when, when I first uh, heard this question, question being read, my mind went to a game that I used to play with my brothers uh, in like a field in our backyard. It was called King of the Hill. I don't know if you know that game, but Mm -hmm. basically like you find something that could be a hill, like a couch or something, and you try to go on top of it. And the person who stays on the top the longest is the king. And we would chuck our brothers off. I would chuck my brothers off of different things. There's this big mound of dirt in like this field in our back, like behind our backyard. We would play King of the Hill all day on that. And the idea was to just be on the top. We would throw my brother, I would throw my brothers off. They'd tumble down. They'd throw me off. 
And there are so many things and areas in my life where I am fighting Jesus to be the king of. There are so many different hills in my life that when I'm real with myself and honest with myself, I don't want him to stand on top. I want to be on top. I don't know if I fully trust him in this area or like, will he really help me in this deep prayer that I've been praying for so for so long? And so this question about when I stop to think about all the areas in my life that God is not 100% Lord of, I sometimes feel overwhelmed. This question, yeah, same here. Um, but what does it look like? So my response first um, to all of these things is, in all of these things, what does it look like to let Jesus be on the top, to let him be the king? Mm. That's humility. That's trust. That's saying, God, I'm trusting you with every area of my life. These areas that I've been praying for and I haven't really seen you show up in, but I'm still trusting that you're going to be the king. So my first response is really a heart one. What does it look like to not throw Jesus off in these areas, but say, hey, I'm going to trust you in your time to be Lord over this. So that's kind of my my first response to this. And my second response um, is kind of the second part of this question. Like, okay, well, what do I do then? Um, how do I find uh, out what areas uh, that I need to give Jesus control of? Like there's so many different areas. How do I find one or find the ones I need to focus on? And I would say... What are the things right now that are just really on your mind and your heart when it comes to giving control over Jesus? Because there's going to be yeah. a lot in all of us. So, so identify, and it doesn't have to be, I mean, you have a, your whole life to figure this out with Jesus, and we probably never will fully figure out, but what are the few things that come to your mind that you're like, oh gosh, <laughs> I got to step off of the hill. I got to let Jesus be on there. Um, and what does it look like to navigate those? So Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, I, I mean, I really resonated with the question and like uh, the moments where God shows us all of the things at the same time that we need to be working on. Um, that's pretty overwhelming. And I know in my life, it feels like, man, why do I like, just, you, you kind of want to give up in those moments. Um, so often I'll pray like God, just, just reveal it like yeah. an iceberg, like a little bit at a time. Right. Oftentimes that's kind of the way that God works. He shows us a little bit by a little bit, but um, when I first saw this question, have you guys, um, have you seen or read The Voyage of the Dawn Treader? You mean my favorite C.S. Lewis <laughs> Narnia book? Uh, your favorite yeah, I think one? so. That's I think awesome. I've read it five times. Well, so I thought of, <laughs> there's this one scene that I always think of where Eustace Scrub, he turns into a dragon, right? Which I think is kind of C.S. Lewis, um, in, in part at least, his way of showing like, you know, uh, Eustace had kind of sold himself over to, to sin and kind of there was this beast within him. And in order to not fully be uh, a dragon anymore, he needed to just fully surrender himself to, mm-hmm. to, to the lion who was who God in the story. Um, but he knew it was going to be painful. He, mm-hmm. Like the lion had to rip off all of the scales, all of this different stuff, but he had to fully surrender to the lion's um, work. And so I, why do I bring this up? I think in my own life, I'm like, well, I feel like there are times when I'm like, this thing is just always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like God is never going to fully get rid of this sin in my life or this one or, or, or this one. Um, but then I think of this story and like, no, if I submit myself fully to who Jesus is and, and, and to God's work in my life, it might, it, it might take many, many years 
but God longs to fully rip away all of the scales in mm -hmm. my life and to transform me more into the image of his son. It's going to be painful at times. Um, even Lewis, at the end of this story, he he says this. It says, it would be nice and fairly nearly true to say that from that time forth, Eustace was a different boy. To be strictly accurate, he began to be a different boy. He had relapses. There were still many days when he could be very tiresome, but most of those I shall not notice. The cure had begun. Mm. Um, so that's my encouragement. That's just great. Just be patient, um, but don't give up hope that God can completely transform all of those areas in your life. So there you go. Courtesy of C.S. Lewis and, and Eustace Scrub. Read it. I didn't do it justice to the story, but, but it's a great one. That's good. Yep. Good. Uh, all right. Next question. Uh, this one comes from Heath. He says, the question I have is how do I know that I'm opening my life to let Jesus guide it? I feel like I'm at a place where I trust him to guide me, but decisions still need to be made daily. And how do I know that my opinions or preferences aren't being influenced or that I am following what God would want me to? Again, good good question, Heath. So how do we how do we know that that we're letting Jesus guide the decisions that we make? Yes, that is a good question. And uh I would say um Keep asking that question. First of all, make sure that you are not... Um, that go If God's Word addresses the question on your heart, uh, find out what answers will be, or if there's principles related to uh, that uh, situation. So maybe it's a job search, or maybe it's where to live, things like that, which aren't going to be addressed completely or exactly in God's Word. But as you stay true to Him and His Word, uh, He will guide you. Um, and that's uh, uh, not a very clear answer. Michael, I know you have a better answer <laughs> to this fine question, uh, because you are a theologian and uh, you are you know, very astute. Dave, I don't know what you just said because the soothing part of your voice just swept <laughs> me away. So your podcast voice, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> well, thank you for saying I'm a theologian, which I, I don't know about that. I would say I'm probably not. But hey, this is a great question, Heath. Um, really love the question. And when uh, Chris was reading it, my mind first went to... Um, a passage in Matthew, Matthew 7, uh, 15 through 18. And I pulled it up here and I want to read it. And hopefully, Heath, this could be helpful. Um, it says, watch out for false prophets. They come to uh, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. But they're, and this is the part that I want to get to, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do, pick peop uh, do people pick grapes from thorn uh, bushes or figs or thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a, bear, a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So I think my initial response to this great heart question is, um, what's the fruit? Um, what are the fruit in your life, in our lives? And if, if we're having the question, how do I know that I'm opening my life up to let Jesus guide it? What are the fruits in your life? Do you see, how do you see um, Jesus's transforming kingdom? Um, uh, shine in your life? What does your relationship with Jesus look like? When people are around you, do they kind of see like, wow, he, he kind of looks like Jesus. Looks, he kind of talks like Jesus. There's healing that, that this person is bringing. Or um, are people like, man, 
I was kind of a jerk. I don't know. You know, what, what are the fruits in your life and in other people's lives that you're seeing? And I think that's a good indication to see, wow, am I, am I letting Jesus guide my life? That's good. I would throw in a couple extra things. I think people often help us um, kind of figure out if, if we're following Jesus in, in the way that we should be um, or, that, or that something is his will. Let's take a more silly example. Um, <laughs> in college, you know, uh, if people, if you went to college, you probably came across some sort of a situation where some dude was like, oh, God told me I'm supposed to marry this girl, but the girl did not get the same memo, right? Like she is not interested. So clearly, okay, God, maybe that wasn't God speaking in that situation. I was very uh, vulnerable when I shared that with you, Chris. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Sorry about that. Um, or, or in a more serious situation, like we, we think we are living in a right kind of way, but we all have blind spots. And so we mm -hmm. need people in our lives. We're going to talk about good. accountability in just a second who say, eh, I think you missed the mark here. And and you need to look at that. Um, but I also want to, I want to free us up to, um, to, uh, there's this, this view out there sometimes that like God has a specific job and a specific spouse and all these specific things mm -hmm. that he wants us to do and to communicate to us. I think he works in that way sometimes, and maybe not everyone would agree with what I'm about to say. Um, but I think God often, uh, he works more as a compass than a GPS um, like when I was younger and trying to figure out what to do with my life, it was like, would I, would I work in, um, in kind of the business world? Would I go overseas as a missionary? Would I, would I be a pastor in a local church? And then I felt like I just had this freedom at some point, another, another pastor, another person speaking into my life to say like, you know what? I think God gives you free will, free mm. will within a certain kind of guardrails to, to make decisions. I don't yeah. know that any of those would be a wrong answer. Every day, though, we try to wake up and just be the best stewards of, of what God has given us, what we think he's calling us to, and we trust him with that decision. I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to go for it. God, would you mm -hmm. would you use it? And so hopefully that, that can free us up, too, to like, you know, maybe every single time we make a decision, there wasn't one right decision, but if we're um, allowing God to enter into that process and trusting him, even as we as we enter into what it is that we're doing, that um, I think he he honors that and, and often gives us kind of some freedom and some free will to, to decide. I think that's a good point, Chris, because we are not robotons, we are not machines, and we are created in the image of God, and we're given a brain and thinking abilities, and um, he is bigger than all of that. Mm. He's not some computer yeah. in the sky that has one way of doing things, and so he gives us that delight and freedom. Delight yourself in the Lord, uh, the psalmist said, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And does he give you those desires? Of course. Uh, but does he make us do everything? Uh, I, I don't I don't buy that. Uh, so that's a, that's a freeing thing. So keep asking that question, Heath, and keep wanting to be in the best place. Uh, humble yourself before God and say, show me the way. I want to pick the best, not just something good, but the best. And then, and then if something is not the best, I love in Genesis 50, where Joseph said, what the evil one intended for evil, God can use for good. He said mm, that to his brothers after losing a big part of his life imprisoned by the Egyptians, and yet God overruled. That is a a freeing thing to be in. Yeah. So, uh, sounds good. Amen. Thanks for that question. 
All right, final question, you guys. We got several questions related to this topic. On Sunday, Pastor Matt talked about uh, a little bit about his journey, um, kind of overcoming pornography uh, earlier on in on in his life, and what it looked like a little bit for him to to see victory in in that way and that kind of thing. So we got some questions about that in particular, but also just the idea of accountability. So. I'm wondering you guys, and, and Dave, maybe as one of our care pastors, we'll lean into you a bit here, um, but any advice for someone that maybe finds themselves in a similar situation? What what does healthy accountability look like, and what are some, um, some things we can do, action steps we can take to begin to, um, to try to overcome some area of sin uh, similar to that that kind of seems to have a hold of our lives right now? Any thoughts on that, Dave? Yeah, I think uh, uh, I want to thank the the writer for that question and uh, the one who submitted it. Accountability uh, uh, seems to me, uh, I've been a pastor for about 37 years, something like that, seems like accountability became a pretty uh, important, popular challenge maybe about 20 years ago. Promise Keepers was good about that. And and since then, there's been a lot of thought about accountability. And I like the author of uh, Surfing for God, Michael Cusack, and he says, he calls it three types of accountability. He calls uh, cop accountability, where you just ride somebody and you know, um, I knew a guy, uh, he and his roommates, uh, if they looked at porn and told each other, they got to slug each other in the gut. Oh my um, God. But uh, that's, that's truly cop accountability. Uh, not the cops are, uh, well, whatever. Uh, they're, they're, we good, know what you mean, good Dave. people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not, it's okay, but it's not the best type of accountability. And a second type of accountability is coach accountability, where you cheer somebody on and say, way to go, Michael, you're doing it, you're doing it. And it's okay, but it's still not the best. And I like that Michael says the best is cardiologist accountability, a heart mm. accountability, where you're in a relationship where you ask the tough questions. Because if you're like me or anyone, it's, we, we're good liars, mm. and we can lie to other people about... Uh, for instance, pornography. It's a very shameful thing for men and women to be involved in, and they're ashamed about it, and they're like the, the proverbial boy who has his finger caught in the cookie jar and lies about it uh, with chocolate on his face. And uh, it just doesn't it just doesn't work. But um, uh, while I'm at it, if you don't mind, Chris, I, uh, I have the privilege, and I've led about eight different sessions of a Surfing for God book study uh, since 2018, and we do an eight-week study study and look look online on the care section or the men's section uh, if you're interested it's a terrific book best book on this subject that I've seen in 40 years Matt asked me uh, earlier last week hey I'm thinking of doing this and p- mentioning about my struggle with porn uh, what do you think I said absolutely go for it Matt this is an epidemic problem we mm-hmm. can get porn cheaper and easier than bottled water because it's free and uh, go mm-hmm. for it so he's a courageous man mm-hmm. and uh, 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 boy that is I'm so grateful for that. So anyways, I have a free offer for you on the radio today. If you uh, listen to this podcast and you'd like a free copy of Surfing for God, I have I have some to give away. So contact me at dgano at blackhawkchurch.org. Um, and Surfing for God, is that about like surfing on the
the ocean, Dave? It's it's basic. It, I don't really <laughs> like the title. Even Chris said to me a couple of years ago, he says, what's with that title? I said, I know, I don't really like it, but you know, authors don't pick the titles. It's the publishers. And basically his point is sexuality is created by God. We are sexual beings. He made it. And if we can learn to ride the wave of that without being consumed by the ocean of it all, mm. uh, it is quite an adventure. So that's the point. And uh, it's referenced a couple times in the book. So great book study. It starts September 27th. Go online to sign up. But also, if you're a female and you struggle with um, um, pornography, uh, you can also contact us at the care team. Uh, uh, Go to the website and contact us, and someone will be in touch with you. We have some female staff members who are glad to help you walk through that. We have other supports and resources for both male and female. So yeah. long answer to a good question about accountability. It's one part of the picture, uh, not the only part. Um, external uh, guards on your computer, that's another external thing. But when you deal with it with the heart, Michael Cusack says, it's really not about sex. It's about something else going on in our lives. Mm. Unmet needs, and uh, we can become enslaved uh, to something that can pretty much wreck our lives so uh sorry about my long answer but uh that's great that's a good answer i love um i love working with um particularly men uh who get a a a look in their eyes when they realize they don't have to be enslaved anymore Mm. their marriage might be saved or their singleness might be back on track that they don't have to be a slave to something that is wrecking their lives yeah if I could say something too, Dave, that's great. Um, you know, you are, you work with, with care. I work a lot with college age people, young adults, twenties and thirties. And, um, the thing that I would say about this subject, um, often I, th- I think we, with shame and guilt that's followed, we can, uh, try to convince ourselves that we are the only ones struggling with this. If you're mm-hmm. listening right now and maybe you haven't told anyone that, that you are secretly struggling struggling with pornography or what have you, it can be easy for us to tell ourselves a lie. It's it's only us, and I'm such a wretched person. When really, I think mm-hmm. one in every five. This was a couple of years ago. I did this research. One in every five internet searches are for a porn website, mm-hmm. and um, and not that it's good because that does bring destruction to your your life and and your relationships, but. But just to normalize, to say, hey, I'm not the only one can be powerful because then it can lead you to maybe I can talk to someone and they might understand whether they've been there or not mm-hmm. um, to, to help me. Because I think the problem is often, and at least this is when I, when I talk with different college age people, uh, which guy we're I'm a guy, so I, I talk to a lot of guys. So I'm, I know that women also struggle, but the people I really talk to are, are guys on this. It's a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And um, my encouragement to them is to talk to someone. We're talking about accountability. Well, who could that be? And I would say, who is someone, like one or two people, same gendered, in your life that you trust, that will be there for you, that will be um, that that heart accountability where you can say, hey, man, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. I've tried to combat this on my own. I'm hitting a wall. I can't help myself. Um, I need someone else in the trenches with me. And um, to come up with an accountability system to where you are being honest and they're challenging you, bringing you to redemption. So I just want to say to... to uh, let let you know that if you think you're the only one struggling with this, you're not. And yep. with that, 
to find a trusted friend who you can confide with. And if you're like afraid of what they might say, if you're coming clean with them, what would you say if someone came clean with you? You'd probably be filled with grace. Most of the time, most 99% of the time, that's what people are met with when they seek accountability, grace and understanding and help. Yeah, good stuff, Michael. There's so much we could talk about this, uh, just so much. Um, you mentioned shame and guilt. Um, shame is, I am bad. Guilt is, I've done bad. Uh, shame puts you in a place of prison where you you just feel like that's your identity. Um, but as Michael said, it every every male and perhaps every female is at risk uh, because we're visually led. God created sex. He created us to appreciate uh, the human form. And... Uh, and and so it's there, but it has to be enjoyed his way mm-hmm. and when it's not. So let me also mention one thing. Uh, I'm glad uh, confidentially to have conversations with you, but even if you wanted to pick up a resource such as Surfing for God and read it on your own, that's a win. Uh, I challenge you to read the intro in chapter one and probably you'll keep reading it. Even non-readers seem to like this book. Um, but if you, uh, addiction is a real issue, and Michael Kusek talks about, about brain science, and if you, uh, I'm, I usually give people a survey to see if you're addicted or not, uh, created by Patrick Carnes, uh, leading uh, sexual addiction expert. And if you're not, I usually um, you know, give you some next steps. But if you are, uh, therapy is gonna be essential to help your, your brain fine sobriety. Uh, that's just a little um, little caveat there. So, so much here, and uh, I'm glad Matt talked about it because it's a big issue. He also uh, 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 helped destigmatize de- de- the shame uh, because he's senior pastor of one of the mm-hmm. largest churches, you know, in the Midwest and country, and he talked about his struggle with his parents yeah. listening in Florida. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's real. It's, it, it, we're human. Um, yeah. Uh, so good question. Thanks for asking that. And this person, uh, is uh, doing the hard work. Yeah. I know you're probably going to say something too, Chris, but, um, I just really want to say, and over all of this, wherever you're at, know that you are loved. Mm. God loves you Mm. when you're in the midst of your shame and guilt. If that's, if you're listening right now and you just have this weight that what a wretched person I am. Jesus died for you. He died so that you can be restored. You can be redeemed. You have not out God's love. You never can. And I just mm-hmm. want to say there is so much hope. You might not see the hope. You might not just be seeing the despair mm-hmm. and the sin. God sees the hope. He sees what he has done for you, who he's going to become in you. He's done the work and just know that you're loved and God will never ever leave you. There is so much hope. That is a great word. I absolutely love the end of Romans 8 where he says, nothing in all creation, life, death, angels, principalities, uh, nor any other created thing. That includes you, Michael. You can't separate yourself from God's love or you, Chris, or me, Dave. Not ourselves. He's so sovereign, so all-powerful. What a great word. Good stuff, you guys. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, obviously pornography is just one uh, potential thing you could be dealing with as we talk about lordship and surrendering to Jesus. Matt, I mean, Matt gave a whole bunch of other examples as well. Maybe for you it's surrendering um, finances or an anger problem or your career path or all these different things. So we've kind of centered on this one thing because Matt talked about it. But in all of those things, yeah, let, um, 
we're, we're with you any way that we can be helping to, to help you in this area of lordship. I know sometimes it feels like it's intimidating or that it's going to hurt mm-hmm. to surrender these things. Um, but as we close, man, Michael, that, that was, that was a, a good reminder for us. I also want to give us this reminder um, that uh, in Matthew 11, um, Jesus says, Come to me, all mm-hmm. who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take mm-hmm. my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, yes, we get to submit ourselves to King Jesus, to uh, to our Lord. Um, and in some ways that can be scary, but his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Um, he's good and he's trustworthy. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you for tuning in to this Rooted Question and Response episode on the podcast. Join us for worship online or in person on Sunday. Pastor Charles is going to be talking about the cross and the power of the cross. It's going to be kind of a great segue from what we talked about this past week. And then we'll see you back here next Wednesday to respond to another round of questions. Have a great week.